It is very good afternoon. It is Niall Boylan with you right to, well, certainly for the next hour or so anyway. And over the last four or five weeks, we have been banging on about free speech and the new legislation. But nobody is listening. It seems that everybody supports the new legislation. That's according to the Minister, Helen McEntee. And she said that much of the opposition to the Criminal Justice Bill or Incitement to Violence and Hate and Offences Bill 2022, she said, is based on disinformation. Speaking before the Shannon, Helen McEntee said that her attention had been brought to the campaign of disinformation. That's us, by the way, I'm assuming. And that has been accompanied by the legislation. She also stated it has included misleading claims by certain commentators on social media that the public consultation outcomes have been ignored. And she said, it has been said to me time and time again, and this is not true. She said, adding, this does not reflect the deep engagement that my department has with the key stakeholders. I'm assuming they're the NGOs, by the way. Questions are now being asked about who are the genders protected by the because the Equality Act of Ireland, of course, only ever mentions two genders, male and female. Yet the government seemed to struggle when you ask them how many genders that are actually protected by this legislation. Except for Regina Doherty, of course, and Fine Gael, who for some reason... Gave the number nine. I don't know where she got the number nine from. The last time I heard it, it was 79 or 109. I'm not too sure. That's a kind of unusual number. And Owen O'Brien, of course, from Sinn Féin said, well, he couldn't even answer what a woman was. So how can we even protect characteristics when we don't even know what they are? The Minister for Justice said, giving voices to those most affected by hate speech and hate crime was a hugely vital part of this process. And she alluded to the media by saying, some online criticism and commentary being amplified disproportionately, there has been overwhelming and significant support for inclusive and victim-centred legislation. So, according to the Minister, there's overwhelming support for this piece of legislation. Yes, I'm struggling to find them. And those NGOs that do support it, they won't go on the media and talk to anybody. Because, as far as they're concerned, it's deal done. Well, to talk to me a little bit more about it, a man I spoke to four weeks ago, or maybe it's five weeks ago now, Michael Schellenberger, who's an American author of many books and one of the authors of the Twitter files and famously a speaker on free speech. And he joins me on the line. Michael, good afternoon to you. It's good to be with you, Michael, we're on the last hurdle, it seems. Uh, the government go for their summer recess. They're like children going on summer school, summer holidays. They go missing for about two and a half months. Um, more than likely, the bill will go th sail through because it's now gone through the Senate. It's gone through the debates. And the, the minister, or should I say the president, will have to sign it more than likely uh, just after the summer recess. will probably be around uh, sometime around September. It looks like a done deal, but we're on the last fight. And I suppose you yourself have been tweeting what Helen McEntee has said and you're deeply concerned, not just for Ireland, because, of course, if it goes through in Ireland, it goes through in the rest of Europe, they'll probably follow suit. I don't know about America. They they value their freedom of speech. Well, it is very concerning. I think it's important for people in Ireland to know that the whole world is watching. We see the legislation that the Irish uh, government, the majority, is pushing as a direct assault on the free speech rights of everybody everywhere because we believe that freedom of speech is a universal human right there was some suggestion by the justice minister that ireland is somehow behind the times that other countries are cracking down on free speech more than ireland that's simply not the case i can assure you we've done a pretty comprehensive global analysis of various attempts to restrict freedom of speech and ireland is far ahead with a very draconian proposal that the government cannot defend that when... Well, they are trying to defend us. They are, they're defending it vehemently. So because they are suggesting that it's needed to protect, uh, you know, these vulnerable groups. 
Uh, they need to protect people from being or for feeling discomfort, I think was the word used by a member of the Green Party. Actually, just let's play that quick clip of 30 seconds there by a member of the... Oh, we don't actually have it there, sorry. But uh, she obviously, Pauline O'Reilly from the Green Party, suggested that the, the people need to be protected from feeling unsafe or discomfort. Yeah, I should say they're unable to defend it using reason or evidence. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, the law would allow the police to go into people's homes unannounced, search your phones and computers, declare you guilty until proven innocent. It's basically a complete reversal of free speech and enlightenment standards of justice that have been in place for hundreds of years. I it, honestly, it's it's something that the only comparison might be to the Spanish Inquisition or uh, to some of the most totalitarian policies ever implemented. You know, I pointed out yesterday that never in the history, never in human history, have victims, have vulnerable populations been served by censorship. Censorship has only served to victimize people. When you look at movements for human liberation across history, they are always accompanied by the demand that they have a right to say their, to represent their voice in public. And the, the people demanding censorship are never on the right side of history. They're never the good guys. They always say that they're doing so in order to protect some vulnerable group. So what you see here is nothing different from past totalitarian efforts. It's absolutely Orwellian in its uh, suggestion that somehow uh, they're doing this on the side of helping vulnerable people. Uh, vulnerable people need free speech. They don't need censorship. And what I find, what the, I find bizarre, Michael, is that only eight years ago, the same people who are advocating for this particular piece of legislation were standing out on the streets after that tragedy, of course, in Paris, where people were killed, artists were killed for a cartoon, chanting Je suis Charlie, um, that they believed that artists should be able to, you know, put illustrations of the Prophet Muhammad and that nobody should be censoring anybody. So these same people were out demanding free speech. These same people were out in the referendum here in Ireland five years ago demanding we rid ourselves of these archaic blasphemy laws which we had in our country up to about five years ago. And yet now we have the same people demanding we bring in a separate set of blasphemy laws to protect other characteristics. Well, that's right. I mean, this is they're basically taking the side of, you know, censorious fundamentalists who uh, want to repress freedom of speech in the name of theocracy. That's what they're proposing here. They said she said in her own her own op ed contradicts itself, which was in the Irish Times yesterday. She mm -hmm. said uh, that we should not allow, uh, you know, hateful material. Well, I view her op-ed as hateful material. So, so should she be censored? Should she be considered guilty until proven innocent? Uh, the She's saying we're not going to censor opinions. And she used J.K. Rowling as an example on the radio last week, saying that J.K. Rowling wouldn't be prosecuted under this legislation. And she also used another example of Dermot Kennedy, who's a famous Irish singer, who made reference to the word knacker, uh, which is a derogatory term in Ireland towards members of the travelling community. And she said he wouldn't be prosecuted. But yet, members of the travelling community asked for an apology from Dermot Kennedy, suggesting that it was hate speech. So I think hate speech comes from the person who decides it's hate speech and not from the Minister for Justice. But her argument is, well, it'll be up to a judge to decide that. But I suppose from our point of view and everybody's point of view, the problem is the chilling effect. And the chilling effect is that people don't actually know 
if what they say could be prosecutable, therefore they will resist actually printing it or typing it or saying it. Well, and hold on a second. I mean, who is she to decide what other people should be allowed to say? Who is she to say what the people of Ireland should be allowed to say or read or write? Free speech is a fundamental human right. It, you're not a full human being if you are not allowed to express your views. And here she is going around saying, oh, no, I will allow that. No, it's not up to her to allow it. Uh, she, she, neither she nor a judge uh, should be up to them to allow it. We only restrict free speech in civilized nations in very narrow circumstances, immediate incitement to violence, fraud. But beyond that, it's, it's absolutely not acceptable to do what she's doing. The whole world is watching her. After I tweeted about it, it went absolutely viral. And you can see that there were 10 times more res responses to her, over 95% of which were negative on her proposal, than there were people retweeting and supporting her proposal. She claimed that the public supports her proposal. The journalist Ben Scallon counted 3,500 comments made in the public comment period, and 73% of them were negative on her proposal. So she's complaining about misinformation. She's the source of misinformation. We also, ran, we also ran a poll on our own Twitter account, which got over 11,000 votes. Not scientific, don't get me wrong. I assume a lot of those are my followers, uh, and many would lean towards my side of the, the argument. But they couldn't all be my followers, because many people retweeted it. And 97% of people said they didn't agree with it. The general public don't agree with it. Uh, the majority of the government do agree with it. And the NGOs, who have a vested interest, agree with it, because they don't want to be hurt or upset. Um, but that seems to be the only people. But she is insisting that this is getting public support. Right. So, so what you see. So, first of all, I, I think even many of the people that work in the NGOs don't really understand what they're signing up for. I don't think they understand that they themselves may be victimized by restrictions on freedom of speech. I don't. I think the vast majority of people that support censorship have no idea what they're doing. I, I think they're lost souls, deeply confused. But just look at their own standards. I mean, they, she says that this public supports her legislation. The public does not support her legislation. Therefore, she is spreading misinformation and under her own criteria should be censored. She claims that, that, that she should be able to censor hateful speech. She's engaging in hateful speech. She's expressing hatred towards people who have views that she doesn't like. So she is... Her, their own proposal is contradictory. And so I think that's a very important point to make here is that the, you let you allow expanded censorship as they're trying to allow, and it will come back and bite you. And, and this is the thing that the only logical position is the one held by Voltaire, which is that I may disagree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to express yourself. That's the only civilized position on free speech. These I mean, issues have mm. been debated hundreds of years ago. We've already, the society, Western societies have already decided there are views on free speech. The fact that we even have to have this conversation is absolutely appalling. I think the justice minister is way out of bounds here. Um, I think that uh, they, I encourage the Irish people to rise up against this legislation and to protest it, to vote that ruling party out of office. I will do everything in my power to support 
the good people of Ireland in demanding their free speech rights because we see a threat to the freedom of the Irish as a threat to all of our freedoms. I mean, it's something that would never happen in America, obviously, with the First Amendment in America. Well, I can never see it happening in America. The argument, of course, here is that we've had legislation since 1989. There's only been 50 prosecutions because, as you rightly said in the last time, we've never been a more tolerant society. And the reason we've only had 50 prosecutions is maybe there was nobody else to prosecute under the legislation. She said the reason that we'd only got 50 was because there was no definition of hate. Yes, we're, yet we're still not defining the word hate. And she said she's spoken to two attorney generals in relation to this and doesn't believe she needs to define the word hate, which means hate can essentially mean anything. It depends on how the other person feels. I mean, there's two parts to the legislation. I think the first part nobody disagrees with, which is inciting violence against another person or an individual or a group. And I don't think anybody would generally disagree with that. I mean, when we talk about hatred, hatred is an emotion, which is very difficult to explain. I may say something right now that maybe somebody who's in a vulnerable class may say, well, that's hatred towards me or my group. Uh, and I'm out Nile boiling before the courts for a judge to decide. I mean, it's going to affect the media. It could possibly affect the media. It's going to affect people and what they might or what might want to say for fear that they will have the Garda Khan and knocking on their door, uh, taking all their devices. And if you refuse to cooperate, by the way, and don't give your passwords or PIN numbers for your phones, even if a Garda suspects you may be in possession of and don't even use, you can get a year in jail. She did give an example of that particular part of the legislation, which is being in possession of, even with the intention not to use. And she said, for example... If somebody was going, or which actually what she said was, if somebody was right wing and going to a protest, I don't know why she didn't say left wing. I've often seen left wing people hold posters up saying all turfs should die, etc. So if somebody was right wing and going to a protest and they had banners in the boot of their car or the trunk of the car, as you would call it in America, and the police stop them, search the boot and find them, even though they haven't actually used them yet, they can be prosecuted under the legislation. I mean, she wants to arrest and criminalize people for the things they say and for the things on their telephones and computers i can't think of a more hateful thing than that i i just i i think i i have to say i i'm shocked by that this is still happening i think it's only thanks to you and ben scallon of gripped media and a few courageous senators i believe there's 30 senators mm -hmm. who have come out against the legislation you see and, the I, and there's a few a few independent TDs as well. Uh, Patrick Tobin has been quite strong in relation to it, and Maddie McGrath and a few others. There has been a few independent TDs, but yes, uh, Senator Jerry Quagwell, uh, uh, um, Michael McDool, uh, Sharon Keoghan has been very strong, of course, in relation to this. There has been a few uh, that have been, that have, uh, I suppose, rallied up some of the troops against it, but not enough, unfortunately. And they're very nice about it. I mean, they're much nicer and calmer than I am about it. Um, <laughs> I find people in Ireland to be very sweet and very tolerant. And certainly your country has been through a lot. You uh, have a very difficult history. And I think one of the the ways that the, the Irish people have responded is with a lot of love in their hearts and tolerance. There's zero evidence, zero of any increase of hate speech in Ireland, just as there is no evidence of any increase of hate speech really anywhere in the Western world. And I think it's... Well, the minister, the minister has tried to say this, there has been an increase, but yes, there's no evidence of that. And the problem is, is that if you report a crime to the police, for example, on the phone or whatever it is, or whatever violence that happened to you, and you say it was motivated by hate, 
Well, they have to record that as being motivated by hate, even though you may not be defining a property or don't even prove that. So the, the problem is that we now have more reporting of it, but we actually don't right. have more crimes in relation to it. Every sociology 101 student learns that you must account for the increase of reporting and that the increase of reporting is not the same as the increase of incidents. We debunked the same trick is being used, by the way, everywhere in the world. We debunked the similar claim in California. We debunked a similar claim being made about anti-Semitism um, on Twitter. I, the dishonesty here, and I, I think the word has to be used, what these governments are doing is disinformation, the very thing that they claim to be cracking down on. They are lying about a society-wide increase of hate speech. They are very hateful themselves of minority views, of dissident views, of disfavored views. Why else would they be trying to shut people up? I think this has to be understood as a kind of panic by the elites that they don't control social media. I think there's been a panic around Brexit. I think that they just feel like they don't, they, you know, and some of these politicians, if we're being honest, are narcissists. They don't like it that people criticize them on social media. They're thin skinned and they want to shut people up. Well, tough. That's what life is like in the real world people criticize you, then don't be in politics, get out of politics. People want freedom. And we just gathered a group of people in London last week, and we had the great Russell Brand and Matt Taibbi and me, we did an event in London. It was an incredible event, hundreds of people came. The next day we met with leaders from around the world who are dealing with the criminalization of speech. It's very creepy what's happening because it's happening simultaneously. These government leaders appear to be working together. They're using the same tricks. Why do you think why do you think they're doing it, Michael? I mean, if there's a motive behind this or is there a motivation behind this? I don't think a lot of people are getting in a room together and deciding this is what we need to do going forward. But why do you why do you think well, Ireland seems to be the test bed for everything at the moment? They are getting in a room together. They're getting in rooms together at the United Nations at the World Health Organization, at the World Economic Forum, and they're having, and sometimes they're broadcasting parts of it publicly. They're meeting at the Aspen Institute. They've been talking about this for years. They they claim that, that other people's opinions are disinformation and should be censored. And they are actively lying. They're lying about an increase of hatred. They're lying about an increase of misinformation. This is psychological projection they're projecting their own fear and hatred of others onto the society which is dangerous for a society because i i don't want to distract but of course if we go back two years ago anybody who posted either on facebook or twitter at that time before elon musk owned it that the uh, covid virus may have come from a lab in wuhan and been leaked of course was either banned from facebook would have had the post removed and been banned from facebook or twitter or both uh, whereas now we know that's most likely what happened. And it's only because people stood up and actually said it that it eventually got investigated. And now we know almost for sure that's exactly where it came from. And it wasn't somebody actually in a wet market uh, eating bats. That's right. They're, the people demanding censorship are the same people spreading lies or what they call disinformation. And we've seen that now in multiple cases. They said that Trump was a Russian agent and that they had proof that he was controlled by Vladimir Putin because 
prostitutes urinated on him in a bed. It was an absolutely ridiculous conspiracy theory. And they got the FBI to investigate the, the president of the United States for several years on that. And the media lapped it up. They said that COVID came from nature. We have multiple sources from within the federal government that told us and also told the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if they're the same sources, but nonetheless, the Wall Street Journal and we both reported that it was it came from the lab. And in fact, it was engineered and they had dismissed that as a conspiracy theory. So I think it's important that people train their brains so that if you hear elites, government officials calling something a conspiracy theory, they could very well be lying to you and they could be covering something up because that's what the record has been. And now they come along and they say, well, now we have to censor you. Censorship is what they demand when their propaganda stops working. And I think people are waking up around the world to this. I think that the elites are panicking about it. I think that's why they want censorship. They're full of anger and rage that they can't control what we say, that we can go onto Twitter and express our views. They can't stand it. Um, I think it's a. I suppose a new... this has only happened in the last 10 years, I suppose, with the awakening of social media has given everybody a platform, essentially. Whereas before, the only platform you would have got if you had had a letter published in a newspaper or you were lucky enough to get onto a radio station or television station in a public forum in some way. But now we all have that opportunity with just an account on social media to go viral or to say something publicly. Yeah, that's right. It's I, th I think it's sort of three broad things. It's the rise of the Internet that gives people voice. It's the fact that the war on terrorism succeeded and you have a lot of military and security people that needed something to do and they turned their very powerful weaponry on their own populations. And I think the third part of it is a reaction to Brexit and the election of Trump, neither of which, by the way, any reputable political scientist thinks is a result of social media. That was just a myth that they created. But nonetheless, they've used those events as a reason to gin up anxiety among their fellow elites and to demand a crackdown. I'm sorry to say some of it is organic as well. There's just a fair number of people that think of themselves as caring people and they just can't stand the fact that other people have different opinions and they call those people deplorables or they say they're populists or nationalists or fascists and they think of them as racists and anti-semites it's really quite despicable and disturbing the ways in which people have come to really particularly educated elites because the people that are demanding censorship are not the people that are working in factories or working bagging your groceries or driving taxis and buses and uber cars Mm -hmm. There are people that have went to university and that work at the big tech companies and work at the NGOs and work in the newspapers or work for members of parliament. They're haters. And it's a very old type. We all know who they are. They're snobs. They don't like their fellow man. They think they're better than us. And they want to be able to shut us up. And I think that we have to form a common alliance among people who maybe identify as conservative and people who maybe identify as liberal and people that maybe identify as libertarian, but people that ultimately love freedom of speech. And we agree with the founders of the Enlightenment who just, who figured it out hundreds of years ago. I mean, this was well, all well, figured well, out. It's the most bizarre situation that I've ever had in talk radio because I would be considered conservative or lean slightly to the right. Yet 
the callers that would come on regularly to ha- kind of have a go at me, which would be from the extreme left in some cases, some of them quite regular callers to my show. And yet they're actually in agreement as well that this is wrong um, because they realize, you know, the effect it could have on them as well. It could have the same chilling effect on the left, too because many of those would want to have a go at the Conservatives. But look, the only problem we have now is, as I said, the President is unlikely to refuse to sign it. Um, In Ireland, the President can refuse to sign a piece of legislation. He can send it to the Council of State, which in turn can send it off to the Supreme Court to test for constitutionality. And the Constitution of Ireland does say we don't have freedom of speech, but we have freedom of expression. And it says in that, it said it's limitless, by the way, according to the Constitution, that freedom of expression. There is no boundaries to that. So that could be tested for constitutionality. Failing that, I'm afraid we're going to be stuck with it, Michael, until we get a test case. And I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of people out there trying to test it. Maybe maybe it'll have the reverse effect. People will be saying, well, I've got to test this out and see how far I can go until somebody prosecutes me. And then we'll have a test case where everybody will be up in arms and realise exactly what we voted for uh, when it comes to an election. But we have a general election coming very, very soon. And I think people will vote with their feet. And Michael, thank you to you and to many people around the world who've taken an interest um, in Ireland's legislation, because of course, as you rightly said, it affects the whole world, because if the Irish government can get away with it, well, the many other governments around the world, my Chancellor Arman try that too. Hopefully, as I said, not in America. But many thanks to you. And I, only last night again, I put up a tweet uh, again, and I mentioned Elon Musk because, of course, he has tweeted in the past about it. And I got an un- unbelievable response again to that. And with that, I linked the last video, actually, the time we spoke together. Um, so it gives people a good understanding of exactly what we're talking about. Michael, I appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate all your support, as do the people I know listen, listening to the show. It's good to be with you. And, and I hope I, I hope you can defeat the legislation. I really do. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.